Leonard Cohen was already seeing success as a poet and a novelist before he turned his attention to music in the mid-1960s. Cohen had previously played guitar in a country band called the Buckskin Boys as a teenager, so he headed to Nashville seeking to become a country singer. He never made it to Nashville as he got caught up in the folk music scene of New York City in 1966. Musician Judy Collins had recorded Cohen's poem Suzanne as a song in 1966, and her producer, John Hammond, took an interest in finding the man who wrote the poem. So, Cohen's debut album, Songs of Leonard Cohen, began production with Cohen working out guitar parts with the help of jazz bassist Willie Ruff and the production overseen by John Hammond. Cohen grew nervous when Hammond brought in some of New York's best studio musicians, but production carried on nevertheless. Things took a turn, however, when Hammond took ill and John Simon stepped in as the new producer. Cohen and Simon butted heads on almost every part of the album, particularly instrumentation and mixing. Sylvie Simmons wrote about Cohen's reaction to the finished album. When Leonard heard the result, he was not happy. The orchestration on Suzanne was overblown, while everything about Hey, That's No Way to Say Goodbye felt too soft. Several tracks had too much bottom, and there were even drums. Leonard had clearly stipulated, no drums. Initial critics weren't keen on the album either, as reviews were fairly middling. Arthur Schmidt of Rolling Stone writing, There are three brilliant songs, one good one, three qualified bummers, and three flaming shits. In later years, critics would look back on this album as some of Cohen's best work. Today, we look at a song that Cohen wrote in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, during a snowstorm wherein he shared his hotel room with two hitchhiking women who promptly fell asleep on his bed and inspired him to write this song. That's right, we're talking Leonard Cohen's Sisters of Mercy on Cover Me. Oh, the sisters of mercy, they are not departed or gone. They were waiting for me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and compares them to their many cover versions in order to find out which one will bind you with love that is graceful and green as a stem. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my merciful co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, a man of mercy, a man of Mildenberg. How are ya? Oh, I'm doing okay. Not as warm as last week, um, but we're we're making it. We're going, making it. going right yeah, I heard, through. I heard it snowed there. Yeah, if it snowed, it's minus 10, or it was last time I checked. Minus so 10. I, I don't even think we've hit negatives here. Now we are minus 10. Yeah, minus that sounds eight. like classic oh, Calgary weather. Oh, but the real feel, it's very windy, so with wind chill, it's minus 17. Ooh, fuck that. Yeah, so I haven't been outside in a little while, because it's cold, and I don't have anywhere to be. Yeah. Stay indoors, man. Yeah. And you bit. guys, I assume you don't have snow. No, no snow here. We had it, like, briefly, but it was the kind that melts, and then it just hung out on the mountains for a few days, looked nice, and then it disappeared. Ah, so it's good for photo shoots. Oh, great for photo shoots. Great for day-to-day living. You know, don't like the snow myself. I'm a, I'm a snow skeptic. Do we need the stuff? I don't think so. Sometimes we need to reflect things back into space. And the I suppose. S- the snow helps with that. But that's Does it pretty need, much it. though? Like, need to do yeah, that? Like need? Like, want, I get. I get it. <laughs> want, but like, sure, need. yeah. And that's the weather report from Calgary. We're talking about Leonard Cohen today. Really? Uh, some Canadian content. Um, I don't know much Leonard Cohen. I know of him. I know he's a big deal. Uh, Alex, tell me about your, your, your experience with the LC. Um, probably similar to you. I know of him, I know he's considered 
kind of more of a poet than anything. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's what he's really known for. And also that a lot of his songs are better known in cover versions. Yeah. Um, particularly because he's not necessarily like that great a singer. Yeah, it does tend to to lean closer to a, a poetry reading than yeah. actual music. And I don't know exactly why that is. Like, he had such a long career, and then, like, you listen to the original version of Hallelujah, which is probably the Leonard Cohen song that I knew um, yeah. ahead of time. And, it's, like, it, it, I don't know, it, it sounds like... It's like Lou Reed without the rock and roll, right? Yeah. Or like Patti Smith. Like, they both had that poetry reading, but they had a little bit of that more musical background or something, I guess. Yeah, it feels a little less musical and or something like that. Um, But realistically, yes, that first song of his I knew was was Hallelujah, but I didn't really know his version. I just knew the song because, and this is another one for the... uh, for the Shrek books, I heard it in the Shrek soundtrack. <laughs> Me too, baby. <laughs> Similar to I Can See Clearly Now, which is one we talked about recently. Sorry, my, I, I got a cat here now. And okay. She's che- chewing on fucking everything. Important things? Um, just important, the, like the, the, the pull cord for your the blinds. Ah, I guess it's not going to disconnect you from anything, but you can't let your cats chew on things. Are you fostering cats again? Yeah, I got I got two cats here, Nikki and the Dove. Ah, <laughs> look at that. I, I don't know if the Dove's in here. Yeah, they're, one of them thinks they are a dog. The other one is having troubles with their shits. It's a good time. Foster cats Sweet. are a lot of fun. But yes, that's kind of so. My other than that, my history is this song because I knew one of the cover versions because my parents used to play it. Right. Which which version did they play? Was it Judy Collins? Serena Ryder. Serena Ryder. Yeah. Okay. They I saw know. Serena Ryder with some friends like back in like oh five, oh six, or something oh, damn, like that's fairly she early even got on. Big. Or maybe it wasn't that early. I still think it was fairly early on because I had never heard of her. Um, right. At the time and like got her she had a cover album which we're going to talk about yeah keep 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 your eye on the i don't know i keep your ear on the pulse here people we're gonna be talking about 10 covers all of ten? which sound identical i think i may have taken one off 10 i've died my i just threw out a number it's usually 10 okay. it's close to that's 10. the standard oh yeah it's nine i nine thought versions. maybe i had accidentally something had happened no, all good. Okay. Um. Yeah, another one for the. What did you call it? The Shrekers. The Shrekers books, because I was making a yeah. pun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, yeah. Also another thing I only know Shrek. about because it was referenced in Shrek, and then later learned. Well, I mean, in this case, it was obvious that it was a song, but there's a lot of things that are referenced in Shrek that I see in movies, and I'm like, hey, that was a joke in Shrek. I just thought it was funny because he farted, but it was actually a right. reference to the thing. So. What is that a specific fart that's a reference to a different movie? No, I don't think so. I'm not oh. actually I don't actually have a specific example. He just farts okay. sometimes. And he burps also. He does burp, yeah. It's a farting and burping king. Mm-hmm. Um Leonard Cohen. Let's talk about 
this story a bit. I have do I have two quotes about the the story of of making this before we go into talking about the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd been written in Edmonton during a snowstorm. He took refuge in an office lobby. He says there were two young backpackers there, Barbara and Lorraine. Oh, he's got their names, and they had nowhere to go. I asked them back to my hotel room. They immediately got into bed and crashed. While I sat in the armchair watching them sleep. It was the '60s, everyone, so it was still weird. But we all just allowed people to do that, I guess. I knew they had given me something, and by the time they woke up, I had finished the song and I played it to them. Weird. Yeah. Weird. A little weird. Uh, I actually heard a different version of the story, and I don't know. That one sounds more legitimate because it sounds like he was relaying it himself. Mm -hmm. Well, I have uh, another one here that I think is also him relaying it himself. It's a separate quote. I got this from Song Facts, so take it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Um, First, he says, that's the only song I wrote in one sitting. The melody I had worked on for some time. I didn't really know what the song was. I remember that my mother had liked it. Very Leonard Cohen sounding. (laughs) Then he says, then I was in Edmonton, which is one of our largest northern cities, and there was a snowstorm, and I found myself in a vestibule with two young hitchhiking women who didn't have a place to stay. I invited them back to my little hotel room, and there was a big double bed, and they went to sleep in it immediately. They were exhausted by the storm and cold. And I sat in this stuffed chair inside the window besides the Saskatchewan River, and while they were sleeping, I wrote the lyrics. And that never happened to me before, and I think it must be wonderful to be that kind of writer. Um, because I just wrote the lines with a few revisions, and when they awakened, I sang it to them, and it's never happened to me like that before or since. Does that match the the story you have heard? Well, there was another one, and I'm trying to remember where I actually got it because I have like a million links open. But it was supposedly another story of like he was performing at the U of A, University of Alberta in Edmonton, and he just like shacked up with a couple of co-eds and wrote them a song um and when i say shacked up i am specifically referring to he's just at the very least in their room and stay yeah yeah um well i'm not sure but that's the only i i only read that one place and and that was i don't think from him that was just like another one's like this is the story but also and well, yeah, I can see how people. And I, I and think I, yeah, like, I don't know. I've read like yours, the stories you told. I also saw those, and then there was just another article that said that. So I thought it was a little weird that there's like kind of two versions. But the one, the uh, the second version, my version, seems a little less likely because there's fewer sources. Yeah, and that one seems to your the second version seems to be proposing something more salacious, which I don't think is actually the context of this yeah song that, well that the way experience. i told it kind of yeah but i don't know if that was necessarily how the story was well yeah and because well, i think it sort of flips it around because i'm assuming if he's at the u of a and he's shacking up with co-eds it's that they have invited him into their space yeah that was whereas i'm trying to find the link i i don't i don't know Whereas this one, the the story he tells implies that he oh, invited these Here we go. So it was people. from another person. I think it was after Leonard Cohen's death. And there's this article on like CBC, and there's a person who's like telling this story because it was a person who knew Leonard Cohen. Okay. And he's like, "Yeah, I know who they are, but I won't tell you who they are." Well, they already gave us their first names in a different one. Yeah. Like Leonard Cohen So I don't know. Did. So this, I, I think that Leonard Cohen's version is probably more likely the truth as opposed to this, this guy 
who's just telling this story. But he also says, this story also notes, like, he wrote to his, like, girlfriend at the time about how he stayed with these people. So, again, don't think there's any salaciousness going on. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any boning down, and people on Genius were particularly keen about finding some boning in these song lyrics, which we'll we'll jump into from that. Uh, but I don't think it's there. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's let's jump into this. So it's all I mean, it's all just verses. Yeah, it's four verses. Four verses, no chorus. So it's 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 not your traditional pop music structure, which is I think part of maybe one why it was not received well on release, and two why it grew on people. Yeah. Um, I'll just start us off here. Oh, the Sisters of Mercy, they are not departed or gone. They were waiting for me when I thought that I just can't go on. And they brought me their comfort, and later they brought me this song. Oh, I hope you run into them, you who've been traveling so long. It's kind of like it's an introduction. He's introducing the characters, the Sisters of Mercy. He's a part of the story. Um... And, like, talks about how he met them. Also kind of interesting was, like, they were hitchhikers that he picked up. So he's saying, mm-hmm. like, they were waiting for me when I thought I couldn't go on. So it was, like, they're helping him go on, even though really it's sort of him who's physically bringing them there. But they're sort of, like, refreshing his soul. And a lot of it is yeah. very spiritual. They gave him the opportunity to refresh his soul by, by him providing them, you know, physical comforts in the way of room and board. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the Sisters of Mercy, um, Genius notes that the Religious Sisters of Mercy is an organization. Obviously not what he's talking about, but he does seem to, later on this album, talk about nuns as well. So he's, I think he's bringing up sort of uh, like Catholic imagery, Christian imagery here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's directly referencing this like Catholic women's institution, institute, mm-hmm. whatever, however you would say that. Um uh, and sort of implying that they these women are like holy, yeah, in, in sort of what they provided for him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he says he's basically like I was at my lowest point. I thought I couldn't go any further, and then I I ran into these the Sisters of Mercy, and they brought me this comfort, and they also brought me this song. Which I mean, he doesn't say it, but it is implied. I am now delivering to you. Right. It's meta. Self referential. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I hope you, you run into them because they're dank. <laughs> yeah. But also because he recognizes something in the person he's singing to, which we come into in the second verse. Mm-hmm. So he says, yes, you who must leave everything that you cannot control begins with your family, but soon it comes round to your soul. Well, I've been where you're hanging. I think I can see how you're pinned. When you're not feeling holy, your loneliness says that you've sinned. Excuse me. Yeah, this is kind of like the judgment verse, sort of. Like he says, he's directly addressing kind of the listener, saying that they're maybe trying to control things in their life too much, but they can't. And it's causing sort of the, maybe causing their life to fall apart in a way that that's not directly stated, but like it's a problem. It's affecting their soul. Well, yeah, I think because what it comes down to is you can't, there is a part of yourself you cannot control. You're, so you must leave mm, right. everything. So you're running away from things. And so it starts with external things. Your family close to you, yes, but you can't control them and you can physically leave them. So you do that, but I, you run away long enough, you're still going to have to deal with yourself, your soul. Right. Um, and then sort of bringing in like Jesus imagery talking about 
being pinned up. Yeah, but hanging, also pinned up. Just saying, like I, I've, I've been where you are. Like I've been in your situation. I think I can mm-hmm. see what your problem is because I've experienced it myself. And yeah, and in this yeah. pain, there is, and both in the crucifixion, it is to some extent you chose it right like jesus was like yeah all right i gotta i gotta do this whole crucifixion thing Mm -hmm. and so similar here you're crucifying yourself and perhaps unnecessarily yeah and yeah then breaking it down he's like well basically when you're not feeling holy like if you don't feel like you are a good person you feel like you're the worst person (laughs) right and you're sort of being too hard on yourself but maybe you also need to change some things Mm Hmm. So then he sees, like, yeah, this is um, this song is for you. It's about so the first one is this is the sister's mercy. This is why you should maybe find these people because this is how you are right now. Yeah. And then we come to the third verse where he sort of details greater like what happened in this encounter that made it so great. Right. He says, "Well, they lay down beside me. I made my confession to them. They touched both my eyes, and I touched the dew on their hem. If your life is a leaf that the seasons tear off and condemn, they will bind you with love that is graceful and green as a stem." Yeah, a lot of imagery here. I mean, in particular, the first half is, well, he says confession. It's like this, you know, the the. Uh, I don't know how wide. Uh, widely accepted it is in like different religions but i know it's in christian christianity uh, confessing and reconciliation he confesses his sins but also like he talks about he's kind of like kneeling in front of them as a sign of i guess piety or respect or whatever um metaphorically speaking and it also references like laying on of the hands and touching of the eyes which Happens in the Bible. It's the thing Jesus does to, uh, and yeah. he like heals the blind. That's right. And then some, some, some mad horn dogs <laughs> seem to think that this is like the the physical verse. Like this is about sex, right? And so he, him touching the dew on their hem is like him getting some some whap, as the kids call it, some wet ass <laughs> pussy. But I, I don't believe that's the case here because if we're to look at what he's he's basically painted them as nuns right sisters of mercy right so the he, the hem of their dress would be right down by their fucking ankles yeah the physical construction <laughs> doesn't quite work out um these aren't sexy nun costumes these are real nun uh habits yeah this is, is the just... habit just the hat robes we'll say robes the habit... yeah it's, yeah nun attire yeah nun that's sexy <laughs> uh anyway um also reference to do and then that kind of leads into the the second half where it's it's very like sort of naturalistic mm, um, yeah but also like an early morning thing so the story itself is like he's basically watching them sleep which is like you said a little weird um but this idea of like it's early and and you know the dew is forming on things because it's the early morning or whatever kind of evokes a very specific feeling of that sort of calm quiet time at the beginning of the day right yeah and then it brings in also that nature element which is if your life is a leaf that the season's terrible so like if you you've just been taking a beating these two will will build you back up yeah if you feel like you're being blown around and have no control in your life because the wind is blowing you around and you don't have anything to grasp onto, they will hold on to you. 
and they will mm-hmm. ground you, sort of. Yeah. Like a stem. Now, how he found this in two women who just fucking slept on his bed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they must have had a fucking amazing conversation ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I don't know. Although, it, it kind of makes me think of, um, again, coming back to something that I bring up a lot, um, On the Road, Jack right. Kerouac, where he'll like have these small conversations with a person for like 20 minutes and then talk about it for a very long time in the book and just be like talking about how great this one person is because of their perspective on this one thing or something. Right. And this was kind of, this was after that, obviously, but I think a lot of this sort of culture in the mid sixties was inspired by that. Like yeah, stuff in... from the fifties. So yeah, I think it's related. I... Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, something pe- people sleeping look very peaceful. So I, I can imagine True. him seeing these two sleeping and just being like, Oh, that's, that's nice. And then I guess finding some sort of religious or more profound context in that. Yeah. Yeah, it's that moment of like seeing something. You're like, this relates to this thing, and I maybe will think about a thing that the person doesn't necessarily have a better perspective on than I do. But for some reason, them doing something made me think of it in a particular way. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm saying a lot of words. Yeah, uh, that's also the what this song is a lot of fucking words. That's true. Speaking of which, here's some more. When I left, they were sleeping. I hope you run into them soon. Don't turn on the lights. You can read their address by the moon. And you won't make me jealous if I hear that they sweetened your night. We weren't lovers like that. And besides, it would still be all right. We weren't lovers like that. And besides, it would still be all right. Yeah. So he literally says at the end, we weren't lovers twice. Um, Mm -hmm. Now he says, he doesn't specifically say we weren't lovers. He says we weren't lovers like that. Um, Which I could see if that was all you had to go off of. The tone of the song doesn't seem like sexual. Yeah, that's what my, that's my reading of We Weren't Lovers Like That. It's like, oh, it was love, but not in the sense of uh, what you're talking about. Yeah. Night and even sweetening. if it was, it's, it, it would still be fine for them to come to you and, and sweeten your night, make your life better. Yeah. I mean, he clearly wants people to meet these sisters, and at least one mm-hmm. person knows who they are. Although they'd be pretty old at this point um, if they're still around. So you yeah. never know. Maybe they're gone. Uh, just you can read their address by the moon. True. Oh yes, I like that line as well. Sort of like it's it's again kind of bringing in that like naturalistic feeling. Like don't don't use the electric lights. Um, just use the moonlight. But also kind of like don't disturb them. Like they're still sleeping. So like them sleeping is kind of part of the experience. Yeah. Which and again also... a little weird. There's some weirdness here, but I, yeah. Yeah, nothing, nothing, I mean, we're, we're over 50 years after the fact, and, like, right. nothing bad's come out about it, so, <laughs> weird, right. sure, but bad? It seems a bit weird, but everyone was kind of just being, you know, mid-60s poetry yeah. about it, so, I think it seems to have turned out okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to mention with night as well, there is the concept of, you know, the dark night of the soul, or we always tend to associate night with, like, bad times in your life right so it, it also being is don't turn on the lights because you're, you're only going to find them in times of trouble as i think another reading of you can read their address by the moon oh interesting you won't see them because you can they only come in the darkness because that's when they're required sort of yeah 
Yeah, and that obviously ties in with the earlier stuff about them, you know, their, like, redemption thing, reconciliation, um, and that control stuff. Yeah. Being sin, uh, sin and uh, affecting your soul. <sighs> Words. And that's, like, that's pretty much the last verse there. It's just, like, I left. Here's how you can find them. I think it'd be super cool if if you met them. Yeah. Also, we were lovers, but not like that. But not like that. <laughs> not like that. So don't get any ideas, folks. Also, it's the mid-60s. I don't know what was legal and what was illegal. But I know right. there was a oh, free is... love movement among the socialist libertarians. That's right. Or is it libertarian socialists? Well, you know, six of one... Six of the other, as they say. That's what I always say. Yeah, so that's the lyrics. Um, pretty. It's very uh, like a folk song kind of sixty style. It is very much of that scene, I think. But it's also he's a clearly a very competent writer. I would say. Yeah, uh, it's definitely got that very poetic feeling about it. Um, it is poetry, probably more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um more than it is necessarily a folk song but that said it gets adapted pretty well i think from poem form to song form let's talk about that yeah um the big thing i think about this song the big identifiable part is the melody on the verses yeah because that was, for me, how I recognized it. Because when I f- looked at this song a couple weeks ago, thinking it was familiar, uh, but not really knowing the song specifically, um, I immediately recognized the, the melody and t- trying to figure out why I did. Um, of course... The easy answer is it was a cover, but for some reason I thought maybe someone else used the melody in another song. Mm. But no, it was a cover. Yeah. And it really has to be that melody because everything else on this is like a bass playing root notes, which is very plodding. Um, You get a, I think it's an accordion that joins in on that melody. Yeah, the accordion comes in a little bit later. Um He's yeah, also the... like it's very got like that folk country feeling. He's finger picking this guitar. It's in three four time, so that's mm-hmm. interesting because I mean a lot of songs are in four four time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got that traditional structure where it starts out just like guitar, bass, and his voice, and mm-hmm. then each verse seems to add in one or two more sounds to it. Yeah. And, well, they sort of all come in at the same time. Like, well, not all of them, but, like, there's a... Between the verses, I think the second and third, there's, like, a section where, like, there's a bunch of sounds, and I wasn't even sure what they all were. It sounds yeah, like, like this some bells. carnival thing. Yeah. And, like, maybe some sort of glockenspiel. I wasn't sure what it was, because it kind of sounds like there's this crank sound, but it might be, Ooh. like dragging like a stick across like a wooden part of a glockenspiel yeah or something. Like i was it, imagining one of those like ridged wooden things that you drag a stick across goes like yeah 
Yeah, those two, I guess. I mean, it's, it's across something. That probably makes more sense because it's dedicated to that. Um, but it really sounds like like turning of a key, like a wind-up key, sort of. Right. Like a music box, I guess. Um, but there's some other stuff, like like this very quiet like background like symbol crashes, like yeah. marching symbols. So that, of course, made me think of one of those monkeys with the symbols and like, that was kind of the feeling I got from this, the arrangement on this. So it's a little, it's strange. Yeah, it's like, because uh, it's all very soft. Like, even as we talk about all of these yes. instruments coming in, like, it's, it never goes too high that you can't hear his, you know, soft talk singing over yeah, it. Yeah, it's like very gentle regardless. And even though there's fairly regular cymbal crashes, like, they're very quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that I, now that you've got that, monkey symbol in my head <laughs> that scratching noise sounds like the the toy yeah, key and it sounds like uh some sort of clockwork mechanism being wound up mm-hmm. um like a spring so i don't know what it was i was trying to look it up and there was a forum that had some disagreement about what it actually was um but it really evokes that sound and then it kind of gets like that organ thing too right yeah. Doing like, mm, well, maybe that's just the accordion, actually. But it sort of adds to that sound. You get that like street organ calliope feel, even though it's probably an accordion. Mm-hmm. And you're right. There is like a a, a glockenspiel in there by the sounds of it. <clears throat> so the, like this whole yeah. What it means, I, I I like. How does it fit in with the themes of the song? I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe if you know what the Sisters of Mercy did, maybe that's the place, sort of place they would go to. But I have no idea. Yeah. Well, the whole thing seems to provide a very, like, <clears throat> soft comfort. If I, I'm thinking of this song being written in the context of an Edmonton snowstorm. Right. Which is probably similar to a Calgary snowstorm and that it fucking sucks. Yeah, and you sort of hole <laughs> up and, like, sit by maybe the fire with a hot drink yeah. or something like you don't want to go anywhere but you are warm because you are away from this cold but there's still that feeling in the air of the air is still sort of cold Mm-hmm. so it, it it speaks to this sort of soft intimate moment that takes place in a, a small spot in a literally cold world right is how i would describe the the composition on this ultimately yeah and i guess in terms of like the the street um, fair thing in that context it's also kind of a smaller area that you suddenly step out of and it's very different mm-hmm. like you're surrounded by these weird carnival things and then you go a street over and it's just a regular street like this it's yeah. gone and you can kind of hear it but you're not so kind of a similar similar environment in some very specific ways yeah, it is sort of, you come upon this weird, you know, like a carnival is almost magical. And just like this, the encounter was magical in a, what it was otherwise a regular day. So too would sort of coming across this composition during the midst of a very soft, small song. Right. And I guess the other thing, there's sort of the theme of like reconciliation and like cleansing of your soul. Which could be related to themes of like innocence and childhood, perhaps. Which would be related to carnivals, because that is the sort of thing you might remember from your childhood more right. fondly as this magical experience. 
So there are connections, I guess. Yeah. We certainly found some. We found some, and you can too. That's all I have to say about that. Um, anything else on this one, Alex? It's a pretty... I think we no, covered most I of it. I mean, it's not that long, and there's not, like, super complex instrumentation or anything. So, I think we covered it. Yeah, and it just kind of, like, peters out. Like, it plays, like, a couple of notes after the last line, and then it's done. Um... And we talked about that first, but our first cover was actually released a month before this song came out. And that is a Judy Collins in 1967. All the sisters of mercy, they are not departed or gone. They were waiting for me when I thought that I just... His pal Judy Collins. Which pal Judy I Collins. I read an excerpt from... I think you mentioned this too. Read an ex- excerpt from her like autobiography or whatever about basically they knew each other and he was like, "Hey, I think I might want to sing and play my poems instead of just poems." And she kind of really encouraged him to perform. Um, Leonard Cohen, that is. So that yeah. was kind of why she had advance access to his songs was because they were friends. Right. And yeah, her producer, John Hammond, was like, oh, sick. I'll, this guy, I, I guess he must have led the writing because she did a version of Suzanne before he did. Which is his poem, but she made it a song. So they're like, oh, fuck yeah. Give me this Leonard Cohen guy on the mm-hmm. line. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. Would she have been more more successful at the time? I think so. Yeah. Well, so I, like, I, yeah, we'll give her this song and sort of cross promotion. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe he just yeah, like he was or maybe just like, Yo, you can do this song. Maybe he just wasn't thinking as like a, a music businessman. He was just like, I wrote this. Do you want to do this song too? I'm gonna do this song. We oh no, I meant the song. I meant the producer. Oh, the producer. He, <laughs> Not yeah, you think Leonard he pushed Cohen, for like a, a crossover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always yeah, think yeah, producers yeah. are think about money. That's true. I um, think you're right on that one. So, do you know anything else about Judy Collins? Because I really don't like. Uh, Grammy award-winning American singer and songwriter. She's still alive. She's uh, she her work spans across folk, show tunes, pop music, rock, and standards. Yeah, she has and a version of "Send in the Clowns," like yeah, show tune. Sort of like it's slow, but it's from musical. That's a show tune. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's like it reminds me, and this one does of like like the sound of music kind of vibes. The slow parts. I don't know the sound of music. I just think like flutey and like old. <laughs> okay. Like an orchestra, but a small orchestra. Yeah. Small in terms of their sound, like volume. Um, yeah. So this, this one opens with flutes. Yeah. And possibly like an organ. Nope. Not yet. No. Later on. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe. Uh, there is a bass at the start that's a little more active on this one and seems to kind of hold down the role of percussion as well as a bass instrument. Just the way it's plucked is very... Dum, 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 yeah, dum, it's very, dum. like... It's also, like, panned pretty hard to one side, and it's it's more separated. So you can definitely mm-hmm. pick it out a lot better. Hell yeah, brother. Um, and she sings like, it, yeah, it's this one to me it seems to lean more towards an old sort of musical theater show tune performance. 
Yeah, of like kind of that solo slow type song. Yeah. Um, there, she says their song instead of this song. So it she she was too meta for nineteen sixty seven. Yeah. Uh, she just couldn't wrap her head around. She's like, no, no, no. This song isn't wasn't written when you wrote that line. How could you possibly, <laughs> like, how could you possibly talk about the song in the song? Yeah, you're like, no, no, no. You're playing this song right no, now, no, no, so no, no. I, that doesn't I, make any sense. <laughs> it's not causal. It's about timelines. You can't break the timeline, or else everything falls apart. That's right. Um. So big ass. Uh flutes on this we get i think some brass that comes in by the second verse yeah it's that like really soft brass yeah soft and low in the track there um, which is always impressive to me because it's yeah. brass it's loud it's brash yeah it's meant to be but big not here. And nasty 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 brasty nasty brasty <laughs> um then we get some harp on this i believe yeah we get i think to it's the a harp. third verse i was like it's like very tinkly, so I, I think it's I thought it might be an auto harp, but I think mm. auto harps are more for like chord playing. So okay. this is very much like single plucked notes. So I was trying to figure yeah. out if there's an auto harp and no one was playing an auto harp like this in any of the videos I watched. They were all like strumming. So I think it's maybe not that. Yeah. Um, Other big but yeah, change it's definitely on like this. picking picking harp. Yeah, sound. it's like a like a arpeggio on the harp. But and like then... a pretty high frequency harp, like no. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the harp you would expect Which, I guess when, when you go to be. heaven, right? <laughs> plinky, plinky. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm in heaven now. Um, yes, and then when we get to the the fourth verse, she goes quieter on the at least on the first lines of that because they're sleeping. I thought that was a fun choice. Oh yeah, she doesn't want to disturb them, so she keeps she keeps the light off. And whispers. Yeah. Um, she keeps the rest of the same. She tells them that they weren't lovers like that, which maybe holds a different context for her singing it than for Leonard Cohen. Maybe. <laughs> because again, the sixties, right? But uh, I don't know. Well, there was a lot going around in the sixties, but it's tough to know who thought what. Mm-hmm. Like who was a hippie? Although I'm pretty sure Judy Collins was a dirt filthy commie, so uh, I mean, this is off the album called Wildflowers, and she's looking like a hippie on it. It's she's like hanging a, out in a field. Now I don't want to call anyone un-American, but mm. <laughs> take it easy there. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's then it, it just kind of ends with a flute note. It's very similar to the original, but a little more towards like I guess more conventional genres like show tunes and folk yeah it's sort of that like it's a very it still feels very sparse but like they've got a at least a light orchestra of some kind there like yeah like there's a lot more instruments that could be very loud but they're playing very soft and her voice yeah, kind of exactly. has a delicate quality to it as well it does i think if that even means anything She's singing softly. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, it it conveys some gentleness in the in the tone of her voice. Yeah, which I mean, it's kind of a gentle song. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, don't be too loud, man. They're sleeping. 
keep the lights but, on. But like with this one, we're no longer in a in an Edmonton hotel room. We're just in like a a gorgeous field in early morning. Yes, and there's still dew, but it's also just like endless flowers. Hey, wildflowers. Yeah. Um, wildflowers. Yeah. Oh, here, here's a question. So we talk about how you can read their dress by the moon in the last verse, mm-hmm. but they're also like drifters. I mean, I guess they probably have a house, but like they're hitchhikers in this situation. So I wonder if that's relevant. I wonder. I mean, I suppose like they don't have an address. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't. They think... probably weren't homeless. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd also like. Would he be like? Hey, guy, I, I need your addresses so I can throw it in the song in case people need to find you. Don't turn on the lights. Their address is 137 17th Street. Edmonton? Yeah, just like Edmonton Trail? Trail? No, in Edmonton, it's called Calgary Trail. That's right. Because it goes the other way, which is to say... I mean, they both they go both ways. Um, they go they go both ways. But if you're an Edmontonian on the trail, you're you're going south. You're not going to Edmonton. You're going to you're going to Calgary. For anyone who doesn't know, Calgary, where I live, is about 300 kilometers south of Edmonton, where this song takes place. And there's yeah. a road between them. The, the used to be Edmonton. There used to be one road linking them, and it was. In Calgary, you get on Edmonton Trail to go to Edmonton, and in Edmonton, you got on Calgary Trail to go to Calgary, but now there's the Queen Elizabeth II Highway that runs north-south between the two, and we call it the QE2. And that's... A little bit of Alberta you, trivia for you. What y'all came familiar. to the podcast to hear about. Yeah, no, I feel like when we've reached the point of him giving them the address, it's more about their metaphorical role as, uh, you know, spiritual saviors than it is about the two hitchhikers he yeah that sounds a lot better i mean that's a lot better yeah but yeah i mean perhaps their nature as hitchhikers had added to their their mystery for him and may have played some role in how how this song came to fruition only we can say if they were just co-eds at the u of a maybe he would have he would have been like uh i don't know their address is they're at the u of a for now but it's they're just about to finish up their four-year program. Uh, Barbara's thinking of going into Yeah, that's uh, the problem nursing. with poetry. Not enough details. Exactly. It's, yeah. What's become of these people? That's why Billy Joel's so good. You know, he lays everything down for you. Things are okay with me these days. I got a good job. I got a good office. But where's the job? What's the job? Where's the office? We don't know. You know what? It's all bad. Poetry? <laughs> poetry? Get rid of it. I need to know more. That's what I need to know. Judy Collins version. We've discussed it. Let's talk about yeah. Dion in about 1968. Dion. Oh, the sisters of mercy, they are not departed or gone. Dion's been around for a long ass time. He was like a like a teen pop idol back mm-hmm. in the 50s. Like, he's been around for a long-ass time. Uh, I think he just came out with a new song, like, within the last year or so. No way. Like, Is a it called, collab. Like... I don't remember. It's not called, like, No Masks or anything, so that's good. <laughs> um, that's good. Um, you may recognize him from the song The Wanderer, which is in Fallout 4. The that's video right. Game. Uh, that was him with the, what was his group called? Dion and the, the Belmonts. The, ah, there you go. I think it was with the Belmonts. I'll allow it. 
Oh, maybe not. No, it wasn't with the Belmonts. I forget. It just, was it? It just seems to attribute it to Dion on the album Run cover for it. And Sue. That's the album. Yeah. It's from 1961. I think it was solo. Uh, I actually listened to Run Around Sue a couple months ago out of curiosity. Oh, yeah. Pretty pretty neat album. 1961, so it's old. I like the song The Majestic. The Majestic. Of course, Run it was Around remastered in 1991. Um, so it's it's a good time, but it's definitely old-fashioned. Oh, one of these, two of these songs are are um, credited to Dion and the Belmonts. In the oh, Still of the Night uh, and Kansas City. So anyway. Oh, yeah, there you go. That is Dion, and this yeah, is so Dion. Yeah, so like you said, dismissed as a teen idol in the 50s, so he's popular, but critics were like, okay, he's not going to be around long. So then mid-60s, he sort of lost popularity, and then in the later 60s, he started making music again and saw a little more success. Inducted into the Hall of Fame and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that is, in 1989. And then he released this one, which starts out with, like, royal court-sounding music. Yeah, this is, like, high court. I don't even know what era. Whenever they had harpsichords, 16, 1700s, like, I'm picturing powdered wigs and, like, slow dancing and corsets and probably Yeah, you want to talk about un-American. Yeah. This... (laughs) This sounds British. Yeah, but it's at least it's at least it's capitalist or or possibly <laughs> royalist. Um Yeah. That's this version. Yes. And like so, strings, like violins and stuff. So it's a lot of strings and then harpsichord. Harpsichord, yeah, and a flute too, or like a recorder. That's true. Some kind of flute or whistle or recorder or something. Yeah. A woodwind. Um. Yeah, and that harpsichord playing very, very tinny sounding, very, uh, very trebly. Yeah, got that like bright, like harpsichord sound. But harpsichords are like very intense because I don't think you can control the volume in the same way as you can a piano. So like, okay. it doesn't matter how hard you hit the note; it's just like full volume every time. So right. they really have a lot more like even sound to them. So, yeah, it's just. Uh, when you start to play chords on a harpsichord, they start to get pretty like intense. muddy. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't take long for for that. Okay, happen. interesting. Um, so another this is uh, another plotting baseline, still a little more complex than the original. Not as exciting as uh, Judy Collins. He says this song. We're back at this song on this point. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of it's it's a weird energy though. Yeah, definitely feels like it's very like proper and upright. Um, yeah, and because we hit on the the big instrumental bridge, which is between verses two and three, we we hit back to that full royal ballroom sound. Yeah, that's when everyone starts to like lift their, you know, you lift your skirt a little bit. Oh so yeah, you can actually move because they're fucking huge, and like you just put your hand up. I don't know what the dance is called, and you just like kind of gently touch hands and like spin around a bit. And like oh, yeah. trade partners, maybe like I don't know. It's all that weird, like court stuff that I don't understand. Yeah, and that, so it confuses me to bring this in to the song. Yeah, it's definitely a different sound. Um, it's an odd one though. It's yeah, I, and then the rest of it is just like I mean, he keeps like the flute and the harpsichord in, but then it drops some of those big strings and stuff, and it's just like very pretty even throughout like there's not yeah. even that traditional like add some things in yeah. as we progress it doesn't build all that much it's pretty consi- consistent um 
It also swaps the second and third verses. Yeah, also a bad choice, yeah, right? Which uh, kind of the narrative of the song, like the information, sort of makes sense in this order. Whereas, mm-hmm. like talking about the need for for redemption, for reconciliation, and then describing how it happened to him. Yeah. So, because the first verse so clearly is meant to lead into the second. He says, you who've been traveling so long. And then, you know, he goes on to, to tell you exactly who you are. Yeah. But then if yes, you, you flip that around, we kind of forget yes. that he's talking to us. <laughs> and then it's right. just like, it's, it's, yeah, it's out of order. And it now doesn't. We're back. Now, I mean, I didn't even notice it was out of order the first couple times because I was just listening to it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. I'd say I'd say I'd give it strange energy out of ten. Yeah, it's just like he came at this one weird, and the results are not great. Although I, I mean, mean, clearly they were trying something a little different. That said, it doesn't switch up the song that much. It's still pretty soft. It follows the same melodies. Yeah, we're still hugging yeah. pretty close to the the previous two versions. So probably a little closer to the Judy Collins version. Uh, yeah, and maybe that was the inspiration. But yeah, odd sound. Yeah, I thought he might odd. be like Irish or something too. So I looked him up. I mean, when I looked him up, but he's right. he's from New York, so yeah, he's from New York. I don't know why Irish, because I feel like <laughs> like I was. I mean, from the UK or from Ireland. Well, yeah. Once you get that flute <laughs> like, in there, I'm I'm already. I don't really think of American musicians when I think of the flute. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, with that though, yeah, that's we're, we're gonna. We're going to move ahead to 1993, where we'll be talking about Sidsel and Dresden. Norwegian singer. Yes. Who's apparently like a fairly big deal in the Norwegian jazz scene. Yeah. She's, um, yeah, apparently she usually sings in English, too, but not on this one. This is, uh, I, like, Norwegian. Yeah, I, Norwegian I don't even know how to pronounce Like, the, the title's translated. Yeah. There's um, an yeah, O it's... with a line through it? I don't know how to say that. I You hear her say it at the start of the song, actually. It's the okay. first line. Well, I didn't it, notice. So it's bar... It's, hang on, let me, get, let me get a read on it. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Barmjertige Sostre is my, my best guess on it. Yeah. You got to hit that G too. So you got to hit that G. Barmjertige Sostre. Sostre. Anyway, it's in Norwegian. Um, yeah. Couldn't find translations for this one. So I couldn't, I couldn't even run like Google Translate or anything. I couldn't find the actual lyrics of this version. Yeah. So transcribing these would not be, not be very effective. No. Not a good use of time. Um, like you mentioned, you mentioned she started out as a jazz musician, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this one starts out with one, a very country sounding guitar note, like a single one. And then we just kind of go. Into yeah, a, it's a just very... like twangs and then leaves. Yeah. And then it's just a straight up rhythm guitar and some root notes. Which uh, now the, the guitar picking is a little more complex now uh, compared to the original. Mm, Which was yeah. kind of like boom, blah, blah, boom, blah. Like it was very bass and then chord in three, four time. And this is still right. that, but like there's a lot more back and forth 
on the guitar. Right, it's filling the space a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, I you hear a brief bit of percussion around the minute and five mark. Oh, actually, no, the percussion's always there. It's just hard to hear without the headphones in. But it's very, uh, very minimal. Yeah, it's very light. It's just kind of this light, like, at least at the start. Yeah. It's it, the loudest point is at 105 where there's this like tick. Yeah, that said the, there are some like drum sounds. They're very infrequent, but they have this sort of rumble to them. Like they keep this really this low end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting thing to have in a song because there's not really much drums, but you still feel this like right, their their end. presence is still felt. So, interesting. Interesting mix. Yeah. Uh, now, worth noting is she does these uh, sort of vocal bridges between yes. Uh, verses. Yes. Or she does this. Yeah, and I believe that that part of the melody is there in the original, but it's played on the guitar. Yeah. Um, but she's kind of doing this. Yeah, it's up high. Which, yeah, just turns it into a vocal part. And actually, a number of other versions do that as well. Yeah. So I don't know who started it. But this is the first one we're going to talk about. Yeah, that actually does that. Um, beyond that, like, it's, like, this one's pretty even. It's just that guitar structure, a couple breaks to the, that vocal bridge. That's pretty much it. Yeah, it very, seemed to me, fairly vocal-focused. Yeah. Um, Compared to the other ones we talked about, especially compared to the original, which is more mm-hmm. lyrics focused, um, and it does like kind of pick up. Like there's some hand drums too later on, um, and I think I think at least on the fourth verse, like there's a she kind of does the opposite of Judy Collins, where she actually does come up on that fourth verse for this sort of, um, I guess climax you'd say. Right. So it's more like a traditional structure, but the build is very gradual and then for the final two lines um whatever they translated we weren't lovers like that and besides it would still be all right into um kind of has this like denouement back down so it's right but like in sort of it's it's more subtle yeah so it's a soft yeah soft build and then we do end on that that original vocal segment that she added that Yeah, yeah, this one was Cohen Panorsk, as they say. As they say, is that the album? Yeah, it's a compilation album, so oh, I assume okay. Norse artists Norsk. doing Leonard Cohen songs. Oh. Yeah. Our next That's artist. That's probably why is... it wasn't in English. That that would explain why. Because she just got hired to do it. Our next artist is not Norse, but is at least part of them are Irish. Sting, and the Chieftains Chieftains. in 1995. Um, Where is it? I can't find it. Uh, There it is. It's weird because at the start, it's a YouTube video for... 
sure. for anyone who, uh, for some context on this, uh, can only find it on YouTube. And the first picture it shows is Leonard Cohen. So like switching to that tab, I'm like, oh no, this is just one of the Leonard Cohen versions I listened to. Fuck. I dropped something. It's fine. <laughs> mm, it's okay. You'll make it. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So yeah, this is the version with Sting in it. But mostly the Chieftains. They're the important yeah. part of this. Uh, they're a traditional Irish band. Um, they've been around since like the early 60s. They're, they're a fairly big deal in like terms of the world? Like, yeah. Irish. Um, Are you tell me they're bigger than Irish the Coors? To the world. They're like the Coors. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, they won six Grammys and a Lifetime Achievement Award from the BBC Radio 2 Folk Awards. Yeah, they play... They, and they play Illin pipes all the time. Oh, yeah, these dudes are Illin. <laughs> um, I looked up some of their... Some of the instruments, um, like, in their description. Some of them tricky to pick out because I don't necessarily know the sound of that instrument. Um, or some of them I can't tell apart. Uh, so they play Illin pipes, they play Tin Whistle... They play some flute, button accordion, concertina, melodion, fiddle, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, this ba- Baudran drum we talked about when we talked about the cores a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. For dream- dreams? For dreams, yeah, for it was dreams. for dreams. Um, and uh, Irish harp. Those now, are some of the instruments I read off their Wikipedia page. Hell yeah. Um, now this sounds to me... Like, if you took out the lyrics, this could fit into Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles seamlessly. Oh, Crystal Chronicles, eh? Yeah, specifically. <laughs> hmm. I don't remember the Crystal Chronicles soundtrack, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, it sounds like this. All right. <laughs> Great. Because uh, this is a good time. Very, like, Irish folk sound, obviously. Yeah, very, this, like, this is, like, the biggest version we've heard so far. True, yeah. There's, like, a ton of flutes coming in right off the start, and, like, there's a whistle sound, too. You got to get that penny whistle in there. Yeah. And there's something that's, like, playing an arpeggio. Don't know what it is. Could be a mandolin of some kind. Oh, yeah, right in the back there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Could be a mandolin. That sounds Irish um, enough to me. Could be a Celtic harp or Irish harp. Um, I believe that as well. I don't know what those things sound like, really. Maybe they sound like this. <laughs> Maybe they do. Um, so, yeah, it's like this very dense folk arrangement. There's a lot of these different instruments kind of creating it. They're still playing the... Da, na, 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 na. Yeah. But there's a and lot like of the, going One on. of the drums they have is just about hitting, at least to the start, entirely to that rhythm. It's sort of like a dun-dun-dun. Yeah, and then and then Sting's voice comes in. He starts to sing like Sting sings. Yeah, he sounds like Sting singing. Sting sing. As, sting as, sings. As, as as Sting sings. Um, of course, I mean similar to every like so many songs. He sings a bit. They play the the fiddle and the flute parts. Pick up a little bit between the lines. Like that's what happens. Yeah. And then, so similar to the uh, the bridge on the the Dion version, we get another big ass bridge, but this one's just Irish folk music going. Yes, going this one. So what is it after the third verse? They have this like Irish jig breakdown, 
uh, which I think technically changes the uh, the um, time signature. Yeah. But it's like a change from three four to I looked it up six eight is a is a Irish jig um, time signature. So technically a time signature change, but one that I am not like I don't always understand those ones because I'm like hey. The fraction reduces to the same thing, but technically it's not the same for like, um, like accent reasons. Like they're not accenting the same beats, so it it picks up quite a bit. It doubles in speed, basically. Right. Um. Yeah, and it's uh, it's this this big thing, <laughs> Irish jig going on. Yeah, this is where they bring the illin pipes in. Oh, yeah, and they're illin. Because I don't hear them on the rest of the song, but they're kind of a big part of that Irish sound. Yeah, and that was the one thing it said, is like they're known for their predominant use of the illin pipes. Yeah, and then I and listened, then I was, I was like, like, where the fuck are the illin pipes? And then suddenly oh, yeah, first happened. I had to Google what an illin pipe sounded like so I could be sure. We have talked about illin pipes a couple times. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. Um, most notably on the In the Airplane Over the Sea episode. Oh, yeah. Um, that is the pipe used on that album. Kind of sounds like bagpipes. It is, I think, a type of bagpipe. But you play it with your elbow. You pump bellows with your elbow instead of, mm. like, blowing into anything. But, yeah, I looked him up, too. I watched a little video on him about, like, the history of the Ellen Pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Um, we do get some harmonies on the vocals nearer to the end, I believe. I don't know if they're there the whole time. Yeah, I think it's in the third verse uh, is when yeah. there's suddenly two stings. Two stings. Two stings. And like some sort of bell, too. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And then he does, kind of similar to the last version, he does this like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So he kind of vocalizes that part, too. And then they, they do a, a quick, like, finish, and then some dude goes, that's great. <laughs> that's the take, they say. They don't that's, say that. Um, for me, Alex, this one was too big. Too big? I, I mean, I appreciate the sound. It's always nice to hear this kind of um, more traditional folk type music and it fits in with the folk but yeah it's it's a much bigger sound that said the original version is kind of all about sharing this story so it kind of yeah. puts it in more of this like word of mouth context of like uh, uh, that you would associate folk music with so hmm. i think that's kind of interesting maybe that is but it fair. is very big and much yeah. less personal yeah, and, and like you said, like they're they've done a good job. It's Sting and the Chieftains are both. Yeah, it's like two <laughs> two groups or entities, I guess you might say. Um, yeah, who are professional musicians who are known for being pretty good at what they do, and they come together and do something pretty good together. So, as long as you don't mind a sudden jig transition, um, if that throw puts you off, then you're not gonna like this version. But yeah, I like that, but yeah. I think for this, the the lyrics of the song itself, I just think it doesn't it's a quite mesh off. as well. Yeah, I think it's a bit off. Yeah, this was definitely more of a personal song, and, and yeah. it turns it into much less of a personal thing. Hmm. Speaking of less than personal, this next one is a duo. It's Linda Ronstadt and Emmy Lou Harris in 1999. Oh, the sisters of mercy, they are not departed or gone. They were waiting for me when I thought 
that I just not a bad transition, my friend. That's sometimes uh, <laughs> I get them. Uh, yes, this is a duet between Linda Ronstadt and Emmylou Harris. Now, Linda Ronstadt, I don't know her that well. Um, I've never met her. Never myself. met her. Um, we're not on a first name business, Miss Ronstadt and I. Um, although yeah, I did the look her up. Name so is familiar. She, she can't sing anymore. No? She has progressive supranuclear palsy, which is a degenerative brain disease. So she can't mm. sing, which is very sad. That sucks. Um, yeah, but she's been kind of like a rock and country and maybe pop singer for, or she was for a long time. Oh, yeah. If you look at the list on her uh, Wikipedia, just of people she's worked with. Oh, yeah. Well, first off, there's there's Trio, which is a group she had briefly with Dolly Parton and Amy Lou Harris, who Amy Lou Harris is on this track as well. But she's worked with Bette Midler, uh, Billy Eckstein, Frank Zappa, Carla Bley, uh, Rosemary Clooney, Flaco Jimenez, uh, Philip Glass, Warren Zavon, Graham Parsons, Neil Young, Paul Simon, Earl Scruggs, Johnny Cash, and Nelson Riddle. A lot of collabs. A lot of collabs. A lot of collabs there. Big collab energy. She's yeah. got like 10 Grammys. Yeah, so she did a lot of stuff. And I one time, she was in a band, like her early stuff is with the Stone Ponies. They came up on my Discover Weekly one time. So I was going to listen to them. And I kind of never got around to it. But now it's back on my list. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Emmylou Harris is like a country singer. Um, I first heard about her because my dad got a CD uh, called All the Road Running, which is a collaboration album she did with mark knopfler a couple years back so i was familiar with her voice which to me is like the female country twangy voice like it's so like it's the apotheosis of that sound to me that's good because i wouldn't i wasn't actually able to pick out when it switched over if it switched over when when it twangs she's singing she's also in the last waltz uh which i'm a big fan of the the band the last waltz Okay. Sorry, the last waltz with the band, the band, the live album. Okay. Um, um sings a song called Evangeline. In that. Neat. Yeah, she also has fourteen Grammy awards. Among so like big deal, like both of these two are big fucking deals, just in yeah. a, a field of music that I don't think either you or I really give a shit about. Yeah, I, I don't really listen to either, either of them. But gotta check out the Stone Ponies. Yeah. Um. So this one opens with an instrument. Alex, tell me about that. Yeah. I. It sounds reedy. I think it might be a melodica. Okay. But I'm not sure. It also, actually, later on, there's an accordion for sure. So this could definitely be an accordion. Yeah. Um, and it's playing the main melody. The not that fast. Though. Yeah. And then we get some acoustic guitar for rhythm. Yes. Yes, we do. So, yeah, definitely more on the countryside with a probably accordion and one or two acoustic guitars. Yeah, I think maybe two because one of them seems to have a little more country to them than the other. Yeah. And I believe Linda Ronstadt starts singing. That was my guess. Um, Just because she got first billing. For the first verse. I believe that's who it is. Um, and they keep it at least at this part like pretty low. Yeah. Um, the guitar is really like picking mostly. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, it's country stuff. 
Um, second verse we pick up significantly, though. Yeah. Um, and that is or. Sorry, I'm pausing in my brain for a second. Oh, yeah, that's all right. So this is Emmy Lou Harris singing in the second verse. Okay. Um, and now this is where this is definitely we've got an accordion, and the song is in three four with an accordion. They're doing this like polka rhythm thing. Uh, yeah. Might not be fast enough to be a polka, but I don't know. Um, and yeah. Yeah, much more of that. I I am struggling to think of a genre name to assign to it. I'm not sure. Um, let's say country. Call it, yeah, it's probably country. That's a safe guess. Um, because I'm going to keep it safe on this one. Um, excuse me. Sorry. Um, My yeah, so that, things. Um, that accordion comes in. We get some extra guitar chords i've written near the end of the first verse here yep yep um and then after the second verse we get a bridge with some oohs yes they sort of start to harmonize on these are they harmonizing yet i think so yeah it's 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 very high like Mm -hmm. like they suddenly switch into this like higher register and this so like they are also vocalizing this part. It happens a number of times, as we said. Yeah. Uh, now hey, I yeah. forgot to mention something in the the second verse. There's like a sort of weird noise in the right side of the audio. Let's Let me see if I can find a good timestamp for it. Yeah, it's like a. Oh yeah. It's in the right. It's I don't know what it is sounds almost like a electronically distorted woodwind or something or like a like a record player warping yeah that's kind of the sound it it, it has now this is 1999 so there's definitely a lot more they could do in the studio at this point um so i don't know how they created the effect but I, yeah it does have that kind of sound of like a where they kind of like like something spinning that's not quite working properly yeah, and that's uh just an interesting texture I noticed. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what's going on there, but it's a cool sound, and I'm I'm glad you pointed it out because I didn't notice it. I almost missed it; just saw it in the notes there and remembered it. Yeah. Um. So, and then other than that, like, there's they start to do some like harmonization as well. They both sing. Yeah, on the third verse, right? Yeah. With them is a, is that a mandolin that comes in? I think it's a mandolin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's and then they still sort of trade off some solo lines here and there, um. But there's a, there's a lot right. Of, like they one of them takes the line. life as a leaf line while the other does some backup ooze. Yeah. So I, and yeah, that's kind of the rest of it. Like it doesn't build a ton more, but they sort of switch up the instruments a bit. Like the accordion comes back. Yeah, it was gone for a while. Yeah, the mandolin leaves after the bridge to the fourth verse. So, I would describe this version as, like, pleasant. It's very, Mm. like, I don't know. Pleasant was the only, pleasant and polished. Yeah, it pulls a lot from the original in that it's very, it's still pretty low in terms of the, the overall sound input, but it's got that comforting sensation. Yeah. 
And also, it has an accordion, like the original. Yeah, just like the original. So, I I don't fully know what I think of this one, other than that, like, I found it very pleasant to listen to. It's like a very mm-hmm. pretty version. Yeah, and hey, maybe having two people kind of gives that, maybe place that folk word of mouth thing you mentioned for the Sting and the Chieftains version. But since keeps we're it hearing more the one story from two people. It's like, hey, that could happen to anybody. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you know. It's, it's, yeah, buddy. Um, <laughs> you ready to talk about Serena Ryder? I am ready to talk about Serena Ryder. The year is 2006. Serena Ryder releases a cover of Sisters of Mercy. Oh, the Sisters of Mercy, they are not departed or gone. They were waiting for me when I thought that I just can't go on. Yep, that She's definitely from Ontario. My parents used to play this album a lot in our house, so I have heard yeah. this version quite a few times. Uh, the album is called If Your Memory Serves You Well, which is, um, which is a line from a song that she covers on the album called The Wheel Is On Fire. Okay. And are they uh, all covers on the album? They're all covers. Yeah, it's a good name for a cover. It album. is it it is a good it is a good name for a cover song. And it's a good line. It's actually called This Wheels on Fire, to correct mm. myself from before. Uh it is a song written by Bob Dylan and Rick Danko of the band. So this is another Dylan band song connection. Hell yeah. Just, just making connections here. Let's make connections left and right, baby. It's uh, called networking. It's called networking. <laughs> yes, this was very early in Serena Ryder's career. Yeah, because uh, apparently her like she started getting attention in 2007, so this would be a year before things started to pick up for her. Yeah, and I don't remember when my parents saw her, but they saw her like somewhere downtown in Calgary, and they complained because it was standing room only, which they didn't oh. like. Uh, now this was 15 years ago, so they were... Or maybe not 15. Anyway, I had never heard of her, and it was a fairly small show, so she wasn't as big. Yeah. But Um, the actual music, what do you think? Tell me about it. About the music? Yeah. I will tell you about the music. And what I will tell you is that it starts on guitar, but it's picking faster. That's right. Yeah. And there's this other one that does this like... Is that a mandolin? It might be a mandolin. I, that's oh, why no, I, just I don't think wrote, it is. I don't think it's a mandolin. I wrote starts with two stringed instruments because I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah, kind of doing like like acoustic hammer-ons or something, which yeah. I always think like don't always sound great. I mean, compared to like when you do it on electric guitar and it's got like this big sustain and you just like, and like you don't have to strum or anything. Right. Um, it's definitely a different sound definitely a different sound so yeah you got that you got this fast arpeggio going on the guitar yeah i think the other the other thing this version has is it sort of comes back to some of those like jazz influences Mm -hmm. um particularly what i'm thinking of is like the way the bass is played it sounds like it's bowed sometimes but also like there's some plucking right yeah, because you can hear the big plucking notes. Doom. Why did I think it sounded bowed? Let me listen. 
Um, maybe around 30 seconds, maybe 29. It sounds like there's a bit of bowing action there. No, maybe not. Mm. I don't know, Doug. I tried. <laughs> anyway, I think the point is some of the bass notes are actually fairly long. Like, they've got a pretty decent sustain on them. Yeah, it's not just your percussive boom. Yeah. And I do think there is, at this point, a mandolin. Strumming. Um, yeah, I'd believe Could that. Could be a high guitar. Um, there's also, like, a little bit of piano. Just a little bit. Is there? I didn't hear the piano. It's a very small amount. Um, like, very early on. Uh, like, on that first verse, and, like, doesn't really come back. I heard, like, one or two piano notes. I swear. I swear I heard it, man. I swear it's there somewhere. So I, that I'm always curious about, like, what inspires you to say, we need one piano chord here, and then never yeah. again in the song. You're like, this just needs a little ding. Just there it a is. little piano, and they're like, hmm, perfect, chef kiss. We got Mwah. it. I knew we were missing something. <laughs> we were missing a half a millisecond of piano. That's what we need. That's what we need. Yeah, not sure. So this one follows a more, I mean, it's more modern. It's like a more modern kind of pop style build as well. Right, yeah. Because sure. it kind of adds a bunch more instruments between stuff. And it gets fairly built up by the end. There is a violin bit too. Yeah, that starts to come in on the second verse. Yeah. Um, and then, excuse me. Uh, later on, actually, an electric guitar. Oh, I must have missed that. Um, if you go to like two minutes, it's more like minutes. overdriven than anything. Oh, yeah, like in the third verse? Yeah. I did write that the guitar is loud and country sounding in the third verse. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just didn't acknowledge it as electric, but yeah, 100% right. is. Yes, electric guitar. Um, and even, where's the strumming thing I noted? Between the verses, actually, this is back to the acoustic guitar. Yeah. It gets some like pretty hard down strums on that acoustic guitar. So that's kind of all part of that build. So it's much more yeah. of a build. And then, of course, your voice goes along with it, too. I think because this is such an early album, they tried to focus more on her voice because really right. it's selling her as a performer. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what this song does. And it's it's just a lot more modern feeling than the last ones. Even like the like Linda Ronstadt and Emmylou Harris, by the time they recorded this, had been around for a long time. So their version doesn't sound super modern, but this six or seven years later feels a lot more modern and poppy. Yeah. The ones up to now didn't sound super poppy, but they were also either old or like foreign. Yeah, so like you said, she's really performing more on the vocals. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's also one... Okay, so in the fourth verse, um, mm -hmm. right on the last line, the violin gets this, like, one note in there that gives us, like, real different feeling. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, it it uh, it's, like, 314 or so. So this is on the we weren't lovers like that but besides still be all right right at the end and it almost sounds like a key change like you would do a key change because it goes mm, but then she just goes back and sings the line again so i thought it was an interesting one note maybe that's okay. that's another one of those things like 
Why do you put that one note in there? I don't know. It sounded cool. Oh yeah, you do hear that violin go up. Yeah. And kind of like gentle build that you up. would go up on there. Yeah. So it almost seems like she's gonna do the second line higher, and then she doesn't. Then she doesn't. It's called she playing with the expectations. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then it, it goes down to a little quiet ending. There's a small instrumental outro after she finishes the last line. Um, things we might have forgot to mention, the bridges in this one are a violin kind of led and focused, but all the instruments are playing and then they're quite loud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's about all the notes I've got. Yeah, so as far as like an update goes, like a modern update to this song, I think it's pretty solid. Of course, this one's been in my sort of knowledge for a long time, so right might affect my judgment of it. Yeah, no, I think it's all right. You know, gotta gotta support the Canadian content here on this yeah. Canadian podcast. Best version, Canadian version, Canadian version. Which, of course, the original is as well. Finger That's gun. right, baby. Just one finger. So gun. let's talk about a non-Canadian version by the Yellow Melodies in two thousand nine. Oh, the sisters of mercy, they are not departed to gone. They were waiting for me. Yes, the Yellow Melodies, which is a Spanish group. Yes. Um, indie pop, they are described as in what the, the Wikipedia page I looked up. Was it Wikipedia? Yeah, on their Spotify yep. page. Their weird Wikipedia page that is just like, it's like a bullet list. And it's like, the Yellow mm. Melodies are an indie pop band. The Yellow Melodies are names of the Yellow Melodies. They have played a lot. And then just a bunch of things that are capitalized. They have some video clips out. They released Life, their eighth album. Like, it's bullet points. Oh, yeah. It's very much it probably just pulled straight from their website. Probably. And, like, maybe Google translated. Actually, no. It, it seems like pretty natural English. From what yeah, I Yeah, it seems pretty. Anyway. Essentially, group of songs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, the beginning of this song sounds like those, like, children albums. That we, yeah, like, that we talk about sometimes, where they'll just basically take a MIDI file and turn yeah, all and the instruments like, into stop xylophones and stuff. So it starts with a soft xylophone. Leonard Cohen for babies. Yeah, yeah soft xylophone. It does, it does sound like Leonard Cohen for babies. It doesn't stay there. That's just no. the very beginning, is a xylophone. Yeah, we get this very lo-fi styled uh, vocals. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's put through a filter. Sounds like it's coming through a speaker or something. Yeah. Old school loudspeaker. Um, and they stay with that vocals and xylophone sound throughout the first verse. But pretty yeah. much every verse is pretty different from the other verses. Yeah. So we get this. Version. On the second verse, we get uh, drums and guitar coming in. And I think bass as well. But the bass yeah. is, again, pretty unnoteworthy. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just kind of like, boom. Boom, boom. Yeah, just hitting root and then, notes, baby. And then the drums that are just going like, like playing that three four very yeah. directly. And then we get a little bit of backup vocals on this as well. Is that in the second verse? That is in the second verse. Oh yeah, you start. They start. They like do these harmonies, which. Sometimes seems like they're just saying the same words as the lead singer, but sometimes I just couldn't make out what they were saying at all. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell if it's connected or not. So they're definitely making sounds, and and it's 
harmonizing, but I don't know mm-hmm. what the words are. And then what do they do in the third verse? No, the section between the verses. So between yeah, the, the second and third verse. Yeah, quite important here. Yeah, yeah. Gets like this really heavy electric guitar. Yeah, heavy distortion, uh, big synth at the top. Oh, yes. And then a much more basic drum pattern. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, it kind of moves to the cymbals. So that stays high, and then there's just big, like, like string synth playing yeah. the, I guess, melody. Um, and then... Or it's just kind of the progression. It's not really melody. Um, and then uh, the xylophone's still there. You can kind of hear it clicking away. Yeah. But it's, it's like, not, not super there, but it's there. It's just, it's just there's now a distorted electric guitar as well. So that's fun. Yeah, and then that cuts in the third verse, and we're back to drums, bit of guitar. The, the xylophone never left. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, another thing. This happens all the time, but it happens here, and I wanted to talk about it. Um, very briefly the like transition between the sections is very sudden but because of that the instruments sort of fade away into the next part so you really get some of that like feedbacky sort of sound at the very right. start of the third verse yeah particularly the synth you can hear fade out yes and then i was trying to figure out if there still was anything it sounded like there was something else there but nothing was playing and i was like what's going on here but it's just fading out from the previous section yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the, there's still guitar, but it's much cleaner now. Yeah, we're back to clean guitar. And then for the fourth verse, they, they throw back on the instrumental bridge and do the verse over that. Yes, and like a bunch of backup vocals here as well. Yeah. And it's sort of for that last bit, the synth goes really high up too. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is definitely an interesting one. Oh, right. It cuts way down right at the end because they, they repeat, um, the last lines more times. That's uh, right. I didn't yeah. count them more than two. Um, and then they cut down to like xylophone and vocals again for the very end. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was a lot. I mean, this one really stood out in what has been a lot of acoustic sounding covers. Yeah. A lot like, of a lot very of... similar ones. Yeah. Even the ones that were kind of different, like, weren't that different. Mm-hmm. Like, Judy Collins and Dion. It's different sound, but, like, similar setup. So they weren't, like, yeah. that differentiated. Um, exactly. But this one was like, let's just do a bunch of shit. Um, which, interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Um, more, like, electronic than any of the other ones. This is the most synthesizer we've had so far, I think. Yeah, it's uh, still not sure how I feel about it overall. It's kind of all over the place. Like, I enjoyed it, but it's not as, like, the other ones are much more consistent. Uh, This one doesn't really do much thematically. Um, It's just kind of like, let's do this now. Let's do this now. Uh, Yeah, it's almost like they got impatient at the the bridge, right? And they're like, oh, fuck this. I just want to fucking wail on the guitar a bit here. Just push my effects button into loud yeah and then you know i'm not like i'm not sold on xylophone in this song yeah although this one like dynamically speaking it's the largest range for sure like, yeah it goes for from sure fairly quiet filtered singing with xylophone to like big synth and guitar 
Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate it as a palate cleanser, and then but then we come into our next one, and there are some similarities. So we were talking about North Atlantic Oscillation in 2015. Yes, which a North Atlantic Oscillation is. A weather pattern. Yes. I don't know much about it. Um, we talked it's about weather the patterns. The North Atlantic oscillates. And we talked about anticyclones as well. That's right. Uh, that was blinded by the light. Blinded by the light episode. Um, but this is a Scottish prog rock and electronica group. So this is definitely right. much more electronic. They are. Did you say prog rock or post prog rock? Um, I said prog rock, but I mean, if they're they must be post prog rock by now if it's 2015. Oh yeah, they they they've they're listed as post prog rock. Post-prog. The difference of which I don't know, but well, one comes after the other, you see. Oh well, yeah, sure, yeah, I guess I suppose. <laughs> um, my understanding is if you put post in it, it means postmodern. Now, in terms of the sound, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So this one is the most synthetic. It's uh, there's three guys in this. Um, a lot of synth bass, synth this, synth that, as the kids say. This, that, drums, bass, melody. Uh, they come in with the progression. Now, on synthesizers, uh, of course, it's a very organ-sounding um, thing. And then there's yeah. also some like, more ambient sounds in the back. Well, right at the start, before they come in with that, there oh. is this like little like yes, a bit of guitar noise part. and like a far-off ooh-ooh-ooh. Like guitar, like fret noise. Yeah. Like they're kind of muted strings or whatever. Yeah. And then... Yeah, and like three seconds of that, and then it cuts into the right. that organ-y sounding synth. Yes, very like drony organ. Yeah. Creating this progression. And, and drums are... I mean, they're probably electronic, but they sound very boxy. Yeah, it's this... Yeah. Dun, dun. Um, and then soft vocals as well. I was trying to think of what I could compare it to, but they're the definitely flaming lips. The f- okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are in the vein of kind of their genre, like they're what I would expect in this sort of like slow ambient electronic music. Um, and there's a lot of like processing done on them, like that kind of make a lot of echo, I should say. Yeah, particularly because they do a, a vocal bridge transition similar to uh, some other versions we've seen. They do these, and it's all, you know, it's made to sound like distant and kind of electronic. Yes. I'm trying to think of who this who the vocals remind me of and there's something specific but i can't think of what it is um they're on their wikipedia page it said people compare them to pink floyd um yeah i could see a little pink floyd in there for sure flaming lips let me see who else did say that like alan parsons project or something like that yeah that would be uh understandable as well i just i feel like there's a specific example even, I mean, it made me think of Brother Tiger. 
yeah i can see some of that in there as well um but yeah it's a lot of synthesizers yeah and like a bit of acoustic guitar in there oh yes that's true um but yeah it's mostly synth focused we get when we come into the second verse there's this like I don't even know, like a sort of crunchy synth texture. Yeah. That's like... <laughs> it's like kind of clicky. It's kind of zappy even. It reminded yeah. me a little bit, like you were talking about the uh, raking the stick along like the wooden thing when we were talking about the, the crank sound. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that, but fast and electronic. Like <laughs> Yeah. Like if you could isolate a single click of that and yeah. then just make that the sound. Yeah, it's kind of this like <laughs> sound. Uh, so it's definitely like very electronic. Like, I don't know how you'd make that without recording something or, you know, a synthesizer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of synths, interesting sounds like in verse three, there is a synthesizer that kind of has that harpsichord sound, like a lot of that high frequency stuff going on. It's, it's more metallic and like tinkly kind of FM, I would think synthesizer yeah. sound but it's definitely like yeah that that sort of sound oh yeah it's that very uh, on the third verse yeah 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 oh yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and uh, a lot more backup harmonies there too so they kind of crank up the backup harmonies as they go yeah they really crank it up um i notice on some bridges or at least near the end of their bridge so near the start of the next verse there'll be this like downward synth pattern mm-hmm you go to like two fifteen. Very spacey. Oh yes, that that one. I have mixed feelings about that. It it feels a little out of place to me. It's I definitely draws attention, and there's nothing to really anchor it when it's there, right? Yeah, because it's silent, and then it's like compared to like the rest of it which is very ambient sounding and like mm-hmm. light and gentle that one sounds more like a bleepy bloopy synth which to me doesn't fit as well in with the sound right and i don't know what its purpose is it's it's a little out of place i think yeah maybe if they had more sounds like that in there to try and make this you know this sort of contrasting sound space but you're right yeah, it's just even, like i think if they softened it up a bit because yeah. it's pretty aggressive, I think, for the sound of this song. And maybe they're trying to cut through, but I I don't know if I like maybe. it. Maybe. Yeah, so this one really does try to set up a dreamy sort of soundscape, which I think fits in with some ideas of the original song. Yeah, where it feels more ethereal. And yeah. we know synthesizers can create that sound pretty well. Um, it does do a pretty significant build. There's yeah. like quite a lot of sound at the end. Um, and yeah, it, sound, uh, it sounds like there's a harpsichord in the back. Things are much louder. There's that new synth that you were talking about. Like it's mm-hmm. there's some cymbal clashes. I think I can hear there. Yeah, it gets quite traditionally pop loud. Yeah, even like that boxy percussion. Like the sound stays, but it picks up. So it was mm-hmm. before it was just playing ba 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 ba, and then it changes to like uh, what does it change to? like it's playing on like it's playing like these like not triplets but three notes in a row yeah kind of in the middle of each measure instead of just three straight 
Mm-hmm. So then they build that up, and we come to the last two lines, and they basically break it all down to just that synth drone and some chords. Or like root notes, because I think that's the synth bass, so it's just... And then... Yeah, still has that weird clicky sound too, which I don't, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. a lot of synth stuff, a lot of synth stuff. A lot of synth stuff. Yeah, and again, it stands out from a lot of these uh, earlier versions, which are much more organic in their sound. Yeah, but it still keeps it kind of like more on the personal side, because it mm-hmm. maybe it's just how synthesizers work, because you don't need a room full of people to play a lot of synthesizers; you can just kind of sequence them. Right. So we know in context that that's how you can do it. Um, but yeah, so it kind of manages a big sound without necessarily feeling like it's a public thing now. Yeah. With that, that's our last song. We're going to talk about our final verdicts. We got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the version you'd most likely play in a snowstorm in Edmonton. Or anywhere. You know what? Forget the Edmonton part. Just in a snowstorm. We had almost a snowstorm. Well, it was snowing yesterday. Maybe not a storm. But it's so windy. That would be a storm by Vancouver Stairs. Let's call it a storm. (laughs) Why not? Worst version. What is the worst version of this song? Tell me about it, Alex. It was... I didn't think any of these were terrible... But for me, it was probably Dion. I like Dion, but this one didn't really hit for me. Kind of a strange choice of sounds that uh, were a bit confusing. Interesting, but kind of a misstep, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like confusing. I, I, I agree. Dion is the worst version of this. And just, like, makes these big, bold, weird choices with this royal court music. And then doesn't really back it up in the verses. Which, I mean, even if he did, probably wouldn't sound good. But at least it might sound coherent. Yeah, maybe. I think the other thing is, I don't really associate those sounds, like English court or whatever, high courts, with intimacy. Like, it's very much, like, show and politics, you know? And maybe that's just mm-hmm. because we see in TV or whatever. But really, that's that's where my brain goes. So Yeah, maybe he was trying to like communicate like holiness through like uh through regality, but uh it didn't didn't connect for me. Yeah. Yeah, worst version. Alex, what's the best version? What is the best version? A lot of them were very similar. The one I like mm-hmm. the most. Which one do I like the most? I'm having I'm having trouble with this one. It's like a lot of it kind of blends together because yeah, a lot of them are very similar. Very similar. So maybe I'll take the lead on this and yeah. say, for that reason, it, this might not be true. It might just be my experience, but I think the best version is North Atlantic Oscillation. North Atlantic Oscillation. Just went the furthest from it. it and it's playing to my musical taste, post-prog rock electronica it's yeah. a, compared to Pink Floyd and Flaming Lips. Yeah, okay. This is, this is something Jake likes. Would right. I come back to this version, though? I don't know. Like, I probably just listened to the Leonard Cohen one. But. Yeah, I think I think so too. I kind of agree. Like, which version would I like? The one I'll probably listen to, 
Yeah, is the Leonard Cohen version. The one I'll listen to because I'm with my parents is the Serena Ryder version. Mm-hmm. And I do like that version. Um, But the one I was most interested by, um, and that so often skews our judgment here, was probably uh, Yellow Melodies. So I think I'll go with them at the end of the day. Mm. Um, Although I kind of agree, or or what I said before, you know, still true. It's a bit all over the place, but it's trying something. Yeah, it is trying something. I think even in it, it, it even in its all over the place nature, it's still more coherent than Dion. Yeah, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, because under the, the indie indie pop label, like I can understand sort of eccentric choices that don't pay off. <laughs> yeah, which, which I think may be the xylophone on this, but in terms of like what Dion is known for, which is a more straightforward pop rock style of music doo-wop is i think another one he's associated with like the the moves don't add up it's just very strange it is an odd one but alex you're in a snowstorm in probably calgary because let's face it but i am in calgary you're not you're not you're not going anywhere fucking there's a snowstorm in calgary what what version of sisters of mercy do you throw on to comfort your your frightened roommates do i comfort my frightened roommates with (sighs) <sighs> they're terrified and the only thing that's going to calm them down is the exact right version of sisters of mercy the exact right version what i'm going to play probably the serena rider version i feel like in terms of like i'd play that if i was with my parents because that's the one they know and i'd mm-hmm. probably play it if i was with my roommates because i think that's the one they would like the most oh yeah solid choice alex i think i'd go with linda rodstadt and amy lou harris we know there's some comforting vibes pleasant. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck that on and tell tell everyone to remain calm. That's our final verdict. You guys got a different opinion, similar opinion, or you want to talk about a version of the song we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag covermepod at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wiseguy. Hit us up at our email address. That's covermepod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns future song requests, anything, send us your best friend's middle name. No context about the rest of them, just the middle name. Really excited to see some of those. We're going to get into our bonus segment here really quick, which is called, um, hey, Alex, it's November. Sure is, Jake. Uh, How's that (laughs) treating you? Um, I was a little surprised. I, I, uh, I need to get, I'm getting my winter tires put on and they called and were like, Hey, your appointment is on Monday. And I was like, Oh fuck. It's November already. It is November already. Yeah. Um, you like November? Is it one of your favorite months? November? As far as months go? No. Um, I would say November is kind of a depressing month that doesn't really have like a lot going for it like september can be warm october at least has halloween and can be warm november is not usually warm and like i know remembrance day is important but it's not the most exciting holiday it is a bit of a bummer right? yeah like, it's not <laughs> like you're remembering and like i said important but also sad yeah. um and also if it's on a wednesday and that's the day we get off 
it's kind of awkward yeah so now we got two short weeks essentially with a day off in between yeah which like fine but also eh. um and you know there's also some like anticipation of christmas where it's like you gotta you want to do christmas you gotta get through november first so it's just kind of a thing you have to do yeah november does feel like a chore i agree it's the the choriest of the months where you're just like okay it's getting darker now it's getting colder uh like next month things are gonna wrap up and we're gonna get to new year gonna have christmas it's all gonna be dank but first we gotta get through this shit yeah it's also when we change the time which is great um there was a lot of stress this week just because the United the US election was going on. Oh yeah. And like took a. for fucking ever. Yeah. Um so yeah. It's not the best month. Nah. Is that um, your Alex, is that your thought? What what are your thoughts on November? Uh, no, I, I fully Similar? agree with that sentiment. Yeah. I, I've never I don't think I've ever been like, fuck yeah, November. Because like Halloween's done too, right? So you're just like, well, I've had the good thing. <laughs> Uh, the most exciting thing that happens in November, well, back in 2006, uh, was oh yeah, was uh, when we we got the Nintendo Wii on launch yeah, on day, November 19th. November 19th. So that's that's the thing that is an exciting thing that has happened in November. But it's been and downhill the only, since then. <laughs> like the only console launch date I remember, because I camped out for it. Yeah, and it's our friend's birthday. That's uh, right. Yeah. Shout out our friend. Our friend. Who we um, don't want to give out personal information. No, because you, you'll dox him. We know you. You guys are horny little doxers. I'm get I'm getting doxed every minute out here. Um, Alex. Yeah. What's your favorite month? <laughs> <laughs> uh well my birthday's in June, so that's a pretty good one. Um Yeah. Yeah, as far as months go. What what about you? You uh do you have a favorite month? Like, I think I'm a July man. July, July or August. Yeah. August, near the end of it, though, you get that sort of, ah, uh, shit, back to Yeah, July is usually the most consistently nice month. Yeah. I can get behind yeah, July. Like... Uh, especially, um, well, this year, because there was no Stampede. Don't oh, worry yeah. about the beginning of July. Um, not that Stampede's that big a deal. In terms right, of but you know, it, it, but it it's packs there. downtown. It's pretty, there. Pretty solid, and then you're like, oh, jeez. Just kind of hide out during Stampede. Yeah, I haven't. I I couldn't hide out during Stampede, so I was always working it, and so I just left. I decided it's better to leave the city. That's just that's a solution to the problem for sure. I gotta get the fuck out of this place where they have stampedes. So that's been our bonus segment. Let's talk about months. Let's talk about months. If you want to tell us your favorite month, hit us up hashtag my month and <laughs> tell us all about it. Uh, <laughs> That's our show, and as we always say on Cover Me, oh, the hosts of Cover Me, they are not departed or gone. Till now. Bye.